The book of 1 Peter, it's a powerful book. It was one that the Apostle Peter wrote uh, from Mesopotamia, most people believe. And, and, and even in the first part of the passage, it talks about uh, the reason, the purpose of who he was writing it to, the people who were in what is today modern-day Turkey, writing this passage, writing this letter to encourage them because they were going through difficult times. They were going through trials and tribulations that seemed to be overwhelming in every situation, in everything that they faced. It seemed like life was getting tougher. It seemed like life kept getting worse and worse, and there was nothing that they could do. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage because Peter wrote this book, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for one very important reason and one very important truth. He wrote it to them to encourage a people who are facing an ever-increasing threat of being attacked, of being destroyed. People who were discouraged in their faith because of all the things that they were walking through. And I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Because today in our culture, our church is under attack. Not just Thomas Road, every church. We're all under attack in our faith. We're in a situation today where the world is constantly trying to, to, to put down the church of Jesus Christ. It's not important anymore. It's not relevant. It doesn't matter And this book was written to encourage those Christians, but to encourage these Christians, we, us, us as Christians, that that God has a plan that in the midst of the worst times of life, there's good news. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to focus on. That's what we're going to spend our our time together. And so as we walk through over these next five weeks, the things that we're going to be talking about basically is we want to talk about the realities about suffering that, that we need to understand. Like, why is it that we go through those moments? What's the purpose behind it? Why is it that God allows bad things to happen to good people? Anybody wonder that ever? Why do bad things happen to good people? We're going to talk about our responses. Like, what we as people of faith, as Christians, what are we supposed to do? And how are we supposed to walk through those moments? And then we're going to be talking about some encouragements to help us to embrace those moments, to recognize that in our lives, God will use the suffering, the pain, the hurt, the heartache to change us, to transform us forever. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be focusing on. Our key verse for this morning is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Listen to what it says. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Think about those words for a moment. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And so today, let's just jump right in and let's talk about this idea. That uh, verse there in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 tells us to hang on is basically what it's saying. Like, Like just chill out, hang on, all is good because there is joy just around the corner. Just around the corner, God is going to do something radical that's going to transform your journey. It's going to transform your lives. And so the idea, the understanding is this. Of the reality that we need to understand is just simply this, is that we are not yet home. We are merely passing through this journey. We're walking through this journey of life. This is not where we belong. This is not our home. This is not the final destination. This is not the, the end of the story. This is not the last place that we're going to be. God has something greater just yet ahead. We are not yet 
home. And I don't know about you, but that ought to be an encouragement to every single person seated in this room and every single person watching by television. Because let me be honest with you, if this were all that there were, if this is all that we had to look forward to, then man, life would not be full of joy at all. God has something greater. God has a purpose and God has a plan to take us from what this broken world is, from what the situation is that we're facing, the constant trials, the constant tribulations, and moving us forward through the hardships of life, pointing us to, heading us to something that God has in store that will blow our minds. And so what we've got to do, our response of recognizing that we're not yet home is just simply this, we must rejoice in what lies ahead. Rejoice in what God has prepared for us. Rejoice in what God has in the next step for us. God has something amazing that is just around the corner. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, uh, Peter writing this passage says, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. Now you'll see there, the word foreigners there is underlined in your notes. It's not underlined in your Bible most likely, but it is underlined here in the notes for a very specific reason, because he wanted them to understand, I know that that's where you live. I know that's where you call home on a human level. I know that that's where you walk into the door at night and you lay your head on the pillow at night. I know that's where you are, but you are a foreigner. In fact, in the New King James Version, the word dispersion is used. It's the idea literally of people who have been spread, a good seed, the, this idea that God's seed has been spread throughout the land and it fell in the place where you live. And so Peter writing this passage says, listen, I know that you're there, but you, that's not where you belong. That, that's not like the end of the story. You are foreigners there. You're there now, but that is not your home. And so in the very first letters, the very first words, really, of this letter that, that Peter writes to the people, the Christians that, that were gathered in this place in Asia Minor, which today is, is kind of modern-day Turkey, he writes these words to recommend, uh, to under, let them understand, hey, listen, don't worry about what you're facing. When you're going through a situation in life today, when you, when you walk around the corner, when you go buy your bread for the day down at the corner market, when you're, when you're up and down the streets, when you're going to work tomorrow, and people are treating you badly because of what you believe, when they're making fun of you because you believe in this man named Jesus, when, when they're mocking you for what you stand for, don't worry about it. Don't let it bother you at all. Here's why. Because that's not your home. You're foreigners in a foreign land. And so Peter writes this letter as an apostle, it says there in verse 1, and, and the idea of the apostle literally is the Holman New Testament commentary defines it as one who is sent out with a message. One who is sent out with a message. Here's why that's important, because we know that God's Word is all inspired. We know that God breathed out His Word, right? You understand that. You know it's infallible, it's inspired, it's inerrant, it's, it's God's heart directly poured out to the heart of man. And so, again, in the very opening uh, sentence of this letter written to the Christians that were discouraged, that were going through suffering, that were hurting, God wanted them to understand, listen, I have sent this message to you. 
These aren't just words from a, from a guy. These aren't just words from a man who, you know, Jesus happened to hang out with. These aren't just words that, 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 that came about like in an idea or, you know, sitting down having a cup of coffee at the, you know, the 2,000-year-old Starbucks. No, no, this is actually a man who was sent from God with a message. And he says this, listen, you're foreigners. Hey, know this, understand this. I'm going to move this. Understand, you're not going to sing anymore, right? You're good? Okay, cool. I'm going to put this right over here. Understand this. Is it today when you walk through the streets of Lynchburg or wherever you might live, when you're walking to work, when you're going into your uh, shops and your restaurants and, and people are laughing or mocking or people are not really understanding why it is that you actually give your time to this thing called Christianity? Listen, just like Peter wrote 2,000 years ago, hey, God is sending you the message You are foreigners here in a broken down world, in a land that's messed up, in a time that seems to be full of tragedy and pain and sorrow. This is not all that there is. And so that's the purpose of this letter. As we walk through, we understand that like Peter, the Apostle Paul also had some words to say. You don't need to turn there, but in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, it says these, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Now, listen to this, underlined here. Again, not in your Bible, here for the purposes of what we're talking about. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved. I'm going to circle that there in your notes. Why? Because here's the deal. We are in a world that will constantly be criticizing, mocking, putting down, laughing at, in every possible way, the message that we have, the message of the gospel, that Christ is the hope for the world. They will mock that message. And when they do, we do not cower in fear, we do not hide, we do not run, we don't run for the hills, we don't dig holes in the ground like they did back in Gideon's time and jump down and hide because of fear of being destroyed. No, no, no. We stand up with love in our hearts, showing the world that we love them with a smile on our face because it will be a sign that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That we're not worried about what the world might have. We're not worried about how we might be criticized. We're not worried about what the world might say because we know that our God is greater. Going through a difficult time, let me tell you, our God is greater. Hearts broken, our God is greater. Sitting there wondering if anybody cares about you, your God, our God is greater and He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. Our God is always by our side no matter what. So stand up with a smile on your face and when life seems tough, keep on going because God is in control. Paul wrote those words. Very clearly, in verse 28, this will be a sign that you're going to be saved. In other words, that when we're facing the difficult times of life because of what we're experiencing, because of the the pain of this current day, because of the situation that we face, because of all the issues and all the problems that we happen to be going through, here's it's a sign to us that God has us in His grip. Have you ever thought about that when you're going through a difficult time? Have you ever thought about that when you're suffering, when there seems to be persecution that you're facing? Have you ever thought, hey, this is good news because this is one more sign, one more message from Almighty God that I am His. Now, I'm not saying if you're being persecuted because you've done something wrong. 
I'm not saying if you're driving down the road today and you're driving like 85 miles an hour and a 45 mile speed limit, and a cop pulls you over and, and puts the handcuffs on you because you're going too fast. Don't get out of the car and let that cop put the handcuffs on you. And you say, man, this is awesome. I'm a child of God because of what this is. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you are mocked because of what you believe in. When the world is putting you down and criticizing you and laughing you, laughing about you and putting skits on Saturday Night Live of what we believe, listen, know this, the world will always criticize the truth of God's Word, always. And when they do, man, just say, this is, this is amazing. Because I know this, they would not attack that which is not powerful. If the message that we had didn't mean anything, if there was no hope, if there was nothing about this message of the gospel, there was nothing about this book called the Bible that we hold dear, if there was no power found within it, the world wouldn't even give us a second look. But for 2,000 years, the world has been attacking the message of Jesus Christ because they know that Jesus is stronger than anything that we will ever face. What an amazing story. What an amazing picture. So here, quickly, six encouragements as you're going through difficult times. Six things that we can just grab a hold of and be excited about because of what we face. Be encouraged, number one, because He will give you grace. What an amazing truth. My handwriting stinks, but that's okay. He will give you grace. Think about that. Here's the deal. You will never go through what God does not give you on the other side, the strength to make it out successfully. My dad used to say it this way, God will never put on you more than he gives in you to bear it up. That God will bring you through. You will never face anything in this world that you can't handle with God at your side. And you know how I know that's true? Because God's word says this, nothing is too difficult for God. God's word says with God all things are possible. In God's Word, Jesus Himself very clearly said that you ask anything in my name and the Father will do it. The Bible tells us, Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that doesn't mean you can do all things like walk off the side of a building and fly. No, it doesn't say you can be stupid because God's with you. That's not what it says. It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are the all things? The all things are this. Anything that fits into the power, the powerful will of God for your life. I can do all things. God has called us all to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you something. We can do all things. You remember several years ago I shared with you about that uh, amazing opportunity that we had of, uh, of building a camp up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so for the last four or five years, we've been building that camp. Man, for the last couple of weeks, we've had hundreds of kids that have gone through that program. Man, exciting things, salvations. As we're seated here today, man, I'm so excited because this afternoon there will be 96 kids, scholarship, because they would never been able to afford to go to camp because of the situations from which they're coming from. 96 kids today will be picked up by our staff and they will be driven up to TRO. And for the next four or five days, they're going to hear the gospel while they're having a blast. And I promise you next Sunday, we're going to be able to announce some exciting things about what God did this week. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Man, I'm so excited about today out of Camp Hideaway. 
Man, we're going to have hundreds of kids showing up for our camp hideaway program from the fifth grade down, uh, down uh, to uh, kindergarten. They're going to be showing up up there. Man, God is working and moving and using and doing incredible things. Why? Because when the world says that our message doesn't matter, all that seems to happen is the message of the gospel continues to move forward and change the world. So, man, understand, God will give you grace and 1 Peter first, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. His Spirit has made you holy, and as a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So may God give you more and more grace and peace. You ought to underline in your Bible, more and more. In other words, He will not just give you grace and peace. He'll give you more grace and peace. Oh, and He's not done yet. He'll give you more and more grace and peace, which just simply means this, is that we have a hope which comes from God. We are not a hopeless generation. We are not a people that have no hope. We have hope because of God. God has given us everything that we need. Be encouraged. He will give us grace. Also be encouraged because He has prepared a home for us. He has prepared a home. And that home is very clearly called heaven. Look what it says in verses 3 through 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Man, you ought to circle beyond the reach of change and decay. The world can't destroy what God has prepared for us. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Our great expectation is what Jesus talked about in John chapter 14 when He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Think about that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said not just to His disciples, that was awesome, they were encouraged, but man, be encouraged today because Jesus actually said those words 2,000 years ago aimed directly at you. And He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And that place, oh, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's awesome. It's unbelievable what God has prepared for us. Nothing can destroy what God has prepared. The world tries. The world constantly tries to put down this message. The world constantly tries to get us to believe that, that this is irrelevant. It's not, it doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not life-changing. And yet God is sitting there on His throne, probably, if He has a sense of humor, with a big smile on His face, laughing every time that the world says this is irrelevant. And He sits around and He looks around this thing that He has prepared for us and says, yeah, if you could only see. God has prepared something that goes beyond whatever we could ever imagine. So in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficult moments, hey, be encouraged. Why? Number three, because this too shall pass. The situation that you're going through is not a death sentence. It's not terminal. It's not all that there is. This broken down world, no, 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 no. God has something greater in store, and God's promises cannot be destroyed. 
God's future cannot be thwarted. It cannot be stopped by what this world has to offer. Joy is promised even in the midst of our pain. 1 Peter 1, 6. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for just a little while. In other words, when you're going through a difficult moment, hey, sit back, grab a cup of coffee, grab a Diet Coke, kick back, put your feet up, smile, take a drink of that coffee, and then you know what? All is good because God has something great in store. What you're going through today, this too shall pass. So be encouraged. Be encouraged because he will give you strength. There is nothing that you face that God will not also give you the strength that you need to endure. God will give you everything that is necessary to come through. 1 Peter 1, 7 says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So in other words, we recognize that God uses our pain to increase our faith. Think about those words. God uses our pain to increase our faith to increase our future, to increase what it is that God has prepared for each and every one of us. It's truly unbelievable. And it's amazing to think in the context of our humanity that when we come up against the most difficult moments in life, when we are facing the greatest trial, when the persecution seems to be overwhelming, when it seems as if we don't know if we can take, take even the next step, that God has promised us through his inerrant, infallible, inspired word. That trial, <laughs> that trial is making you better. That trial, it's making you stronger. That trial, it's bringing you closer to me. What an amazing promise that we have. That God actually uses the pain, the pain of this world... To do as it said there, we just read in that passage, where it actually like tests us like, like, like gold being burned and, and being purified to make us exactly what he wants us to be. Our faith is perfected through the suffering of this world. James chapter 1 even says, verses 2 and following, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Think about those words. When troubles of any kind come our way, how does it make sense? that we can consider that an opportunity for great joy. Here's why. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Needing, and I'm going to put an exclamation point there. I know God's Word says don't ever add anything to or take anything away from God's Word, but I think God won't mind if I add an exclamation point after that. We will need nothing. Anybody here today want to walk through life believing and knowing, I don't need anything? That's what God promises. And he uses our pain to get us there. He uses the trials, the problems, the, the, the persecutions that we experience. He uses that to make us perfect and complete. So be encouraged. Be encouraged because he will give you joy. He will give you joy for the journey. 
Now, you notice what I very clearly said there is that he will give us joy. I didn't say the pain's going to give you joy. Let's be honest. When you're going through a difficult moment, it's tough to find joy. In, in a human perspective, it's tough to find in, a, in the midst of a great trial that we're experiencing and a, and, and a problem that we're going through. It's tough to actually say, you know what, man, I got this report from the doctor, and it's a horrible report. I mean, the doctor said that, man, there's no hope and there's nothing they can do and they've tried everything and then they're, they're, they're at wit's end. They have no other ideas. This is it. This is the last thing that they can, there's nothing else they can do. Man, isn't that awesome? I've never heard anybody say that. You can't find joy in the human perspective. Oh, but man, when you turn your attention away from the human and point it to God, Even in the most difficult moments of life, God gives you joy. God will take what the world says is final. God will take what the world says is terminal. God will take what the world says is the end of the story. And here's what he'll do. He'll remove the period. He'll put a comma. And then joy. As I look out around this room, I see a lot of faces of people who know exactly what I'm talking about. I know there's some stories out here, lots of stories of people that have been through those moments where the world would say they're done. It's over. There's nothing left, nothing to look forward to. They can't serve anymore. They've messed up too much. Life is at an end. And yet God just fills them with joy because God says, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's not the end. I'm making them complete. I'm perfecting them. For my reasons. First Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. There is the joy. The reward for trusting God in the midst of your pain is knowing this, that at the end of the day, and I don't mean this day, I mean the end of all days, the end of every possible day that you could ever experience. The reward is this. God has prepared a place for you and he gave his only son, Jesus, that if you believe in him, heaven is joy. So be encouraged. Be encouraged because we know that God has got a great plan. God uses our pain, the pain that we experience, the situation that we're walking through. He uses our pain as a pathway to joy. The world doesn't understand that. How is that possible? Are you telling me that, that, that you're saying that your God, this God that you worship, this God that you go to church to talk about, he's actually using that suffering that you're going, and he's actually using that as a path to get to joy? Seriously? Yes. Because that's what God's word says. God uses it as a pathway to joy, but also as a pathway to his promise. We could sit here today and walk through God's word and I could show you thousands of promises that God has given to us through his word. And all of the suffering and all of the trials and all the tribulations that we walk through in life, every single one of them point towards the promise of God. There is nothing that you're going through today for which God has not already given us a promise in his word that he will deliver. Think about that for a moment. Say, my life is tough. God has promised you he'll bring you through. You don't understand how difficult this is. God has promised he'll bring you through. We could point to promise after promise after promise. There is nothing that you will ever go through for which God has not already poured out his promises to cover. Are you encouraged by that? Because I am. 
Because I know this, life can be tough. Life can be difficult. Life can be painful. And through it all, I've got a promise to cover that. Remember the old Apple thing when they did the Apple stuff and, and they were coming out with the new app store? Hey, there's an app for that. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, there's an app for that. Yeah, I want to figure out how to find my way to my grandma's house. Hey, there's an app for that. You want to figure out how to, you know, do my math class. There's an app for that. Yeah, I want to figure out, like, where, where the stars are and how they move. And a certain, hey, there's an app for that. Let me just tell you something. You've got a problem. You've got pain. You've got suffering. You've got trials. You've got tribulations in life. Difficult moments. Difficult people. Difficult trials and challenges that you don't know how you're going to make it through. i got good news. In the words of Apple, there's an app for that, and the app is found in God's Word. God has a promise for whatever you might be going through. God has you covered. God uses what we go through as a pathway to His promise. It gets us to the place where we understand and recognize God has it under control. And here's the interesting thing. Our last encouragement for today, our last encouragement, and it's amazing if you think about it, be encouraged. Why? Because this was God's plan from the beginning. God was not caught by accident. He wasn't caught by surprise that life was going to be tough. It didn't come up one day and and Jesus, you know, ran to the throne room of, of God the Father. So God the Son walks to God the Father and taps him on the shoulder and says, Hey, God, we have a problem? The world? Yeah, there's problems down there. There's pain down there. There's sin down there. There's tough moments down there. God, and with a surprise on his face, looks at, Well, what are we going to do about this? That never happened in the economy of God. That, ne that never happened in heaven. God knows before you ever get to the moment of trial, God knows not only the entry point, <laughs> but God knows the exit. This was God's plan from the beginning. This was God's plan from the beginning of time. Life would be tough. Man is born of woman, and he is born of woman not only to that point, but recognizing that he is full of days, full of trouble. And one day heaven. Man, what an amazing story. God's plan from the beginning. So here's the important thing. We need to recognize God is in control and he has a perfect plan for you. He has you per perfectly positioned in that plan. It was planned from the very beginning. So, and this is the one I've been excited about writing all day long. Here it is. So don't worry. Be happy. We should all sing the song, shouldn't we? Come on up. I'm just kidding. Don't worry. Be happy. So many Christians today are walking through lives with their, 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 their mouths turned downward with pain in their heart. And, and man, they just, you, you know when you see them coming, all you're going to get is a tough story of how life stinks and problems are everywhere and there's pain and there's suffering. And, and you just see them and you honestly kind of hide. You go the other way because you know that if you ask them, hey, how's your day? You're going to be there for about an hour and a half hearing about it. Everything stinks. And here's what I'm telling you. Don't worry be happy because God is still in control. That's the reason that Peter wrote this letter because there was a church. There were Christians in Asia Minor who were broken. There were Christians in Asia Minor who were, were, were saddened and they were discouraged and they were hurting 
And they were going through moments where they didn't know what to do. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this grace of salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but, but for you. Again, writing to the Christians, that, that, that's us. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angel, angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Underlining your Bible, even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Why is that? Because God knows what's ahead. God knows what's ahead. And so here's our response. Here's what we must do. We must have a different, a different view of difficult times. As Christians today, we need to make it part of our makeup, part of our, our, our DNA, that when difficult times arrive, we're going to take a different view. We're not going to allow our humanity to, to, to come through and look at difficult times the way the world does. The world looks at tough times and difficult times like there's no hope. I'm hopeless. I, I mean, the time's tough. I'm just going to, you know, just woe is me. This is awful. I'm going to pick up my crowns and I'm going to go home. You know, I mean, they, they, that's what the world says. They don't pick up their crowns and they go, where do they pick? They pick up their marbles and go home. That's what it was. I tried to use a, yeah, that, forget it. Okay. So they pick up their marbles and they go home, right? That, that's what the world does. But as Christians, be encouraged. As Christians, stand strong and stand straight and be happy and don't worry. Why? Because we take a different view of difficult times. And that different view is just simply this. Is that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Because John chapter 14 tells us that Jesus said in the midst of the most difficult time of his life, Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He talked about that place and he said, in my father's house are many mansions. Man, if it were not Toa, so I would have told you. And so because I go to prepare a place for you, listen, you're going to be there too. And Thomas did what every single one of us would do. He said, uh, excuse me, got a hand raised here, got a question. I don't know where you're going. And I don't know how to get there. I, there were no apps for that back 2,000 years ago. Couldn't look it up on Google Maps. Couldn't say, hey, Siri, where's Jesus going? Doesn't, didn't happen back then. And so Jesus answered with the most clear, succinct, and beautiful statement that you could ever imagine. He said this, I'm the way. I'm the way. And I'm the truth. And I'm life. And no man, no woman, no child, nobody can ever come to the Father except through me. Today, be encouraged. Life tough? Yep. Difficult? Count on it. Problems? You bet. But Jesus has made a way. So what do you believe today about Jesus? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father.
We thank you today for who you are. We are overwhelmed in life because of all that we go through. Life's tough. And God, I know you know that, that we, many times in our journey, we get to the place where we wonder, can we make it? Can we take that next step? God, I, I know everyone in this room has been in that place and in that situation, God. I, I know that I have. And so, God, we just stand here. We are, we are so grateful, so empowered and encouraged today because we know that because of your word that has told us, we know that even in the most difficult day, we're in your grip. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that you gave us that way that is Jesus. God, because if it were not for Jesus, everything we've talked about today is a waste of time. If it were not for Jesus, everything we've discussed, yep, there's, there's no point in it. If it were not for Jesus, the songs we've sung today, it's just, it's just music, it's just sound. If it were not for Jesus, there'd be no point in us gathering together here today. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no hope. And we thank you, God, that you gave your only son, Jesus, and that he died on the cross for our sins that we never could have paid for had it not been for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for giving you, giving us your son. God, we thank you today that that when he was placed in that borrowed tomb and they rolled that stone in place, God, we thank you that that was not a period but a comma because we are so grateful that then came the morning that Christ rose again, that he walked out of that grave so that we could walk out of our grave, that he walked out of the shackles of sin and death so that we could be freed from the shackles of sin and death. God, today we thank you that by believing in Jesus, we have hope. We have a future. We have heaven. So God, I pray that today for all the Christians gathered in this room, watching, listening today, God, I pray, let them be encouraged today. Let them be encouraged, whether they're on the mountaintop or on the lowest valley, let them be encouraged today. God, because you're in control. Because God, you are there. And God, if there's somebody here today that, that doesn't have that relationship with you as God the Father, because they've not met God the Son, let this be the moment that they recognize according to what Romans chapter 10 tells us, that if we would simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died and that he rose again, Romans 10, 13, that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. God, let today that anyone be the person who hears my voice. And God will give you the praise. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing together as we do every single week. The altar is going to be open. Our team is here gathered at the front. And listen, do not miss what I'm telling you right now. If you do not know 100% that if you were to die today, that you would go and spend eternity in heaven. If you don't know that for sure, if you don't have absolute certainty in your walk with and in your faith in Christ, let me just tell you, good news, because today all that you must do is believe. And so in a moment, when we stand together, when we sing, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you from the bottom of my heart and certainly from the bottom, the depths of God's heart, 
that you step out from where you are and you walk down to this altar and our team is here, man, we would love nothing more than to simply share with you who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life today. Maybe you are a Christian, but man, you've, you've gotten discouraged. Life is tough. Things are difficult. You're not sure where to turn, what to do, where to go. You've gotten to the place where you feel like, man, all is lost. Maybe today you need to come down and kneel at this altar and say, God, thank you today that you encouraged me through the letter that Peter wrote 2,000 years ago after you breathed it into his heart. God, thank you for giving me that letter. I need it today. Maybe you need to come and kneel here and do that. Maybe you want to come and pray for someone else. Leave a prayer request. Maybe you want to join our church or come for baptism, whatever God is speaking to you, saying to you. Hey, listen, don't worry. Be happy because whatever it is that you're going through, God has your back. Let's stand together right now. Let's sing these words.